You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Good morning, Radiant Church. It is so good to be back. Listen, thank you so much for your prayers and for your understanding and being good sports last week. I know that uh, we had a special video message from Pastor Lee because on Friday night, I came down with something fierce and it just kind of ruined me for the whole weekend. And so many of you sent me uh, just messages and encouraging words that you were praying for me. So thank you for being understanding, but it is good to be back in the house of God. It's good to be back uh, preaching to you today. Listen, we are beginning a brand new message series for six weeks that we've entitled Living Free, Finding Freedom in Christ. This has been something kind of near and dear on my heart lately, and I want you to know, and I want to encourage you this morning, church, that you were made for so much more than subpar existence. Amen? Yeah, you were made for so much more than subpar existence. You were made to live free, to be free, to live free from the addictive patterns or destructive patterns in your life. You were created to to live free from the destructive thought patterns that maybe you keep wrestling with and going back and forth with continually. You were made to live free from demonic influence and the darkness that so easily can creep into our lives if we're not careful. We were made to be free in Jesus. And I love the way the old King James Version sort of labels this or communicates this idea in it's Hebrews 12 verse number one it talks about the writer says the the sin that so the sin that doth so easily besets us right and to, to, to really quote the King James version now that word beset is a word that we don't use very often right like what does besetting sin means it just simply means sin that we wrestle with on a regular basis. It's like the same sort of sin patterns, if you know what I mean. And all of us have that thing. All of us have that vice, whether it's lust, whether it's we're prone to be being angry and sinning, um, whether it's greed, whether whatever it is. I mean, there are a million sort of vices. But so many of us, listen, we, we, there's that thing, or maybe there's, there's two things, or maybe for you it's, an addictive personality, and so you find yourself addicted to, to something, right? And the idea is it's, it's a wrestling match. You know, um, my kids are at the age where I can wrestle them and still win. It's not going to last forever, I realize this. But right now, I'm enjoying it, and so I can, kind of, like, I can grab both of them, right, and like, pin them down, and they're like, no, 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 and they're, they're crying, and then they're laughing, and then they're crying, and then they're laughing, right? And then if I let go, what happens? My, my kids get kind of on top of me, and then they, they pin me down, and so sometimes I'm winning, and then sometimes I'm losing the wrestling match. How many of you know this is life for many of us? It feels like, man, I'm, I'm, on, I'm, on, my, I'm, I'm on top of the world, like, everything is great, little anxiety, I'm just breathing, I don't have a need to control my environment, like, everything is good. And then there are other days we feel like I'm completely losing this thing, right? So let me just give you a few examples uh, just that came to mind earlier this week that we might wrestle with. Perhaps for you, it's, it's, it's overeating, right? Overeating, it's like, hey, sometimes you feel like you're winning the game, you know what I mean? And it's like... 
you're healthy, you lost three pounds over January because you were doing that diet thing or whatever it was, low carbonate, keto, kenosis, whatever it's called, I don't know. And you're doing that diet thing and it feels good. And then there are other times it feels like you're losing because in one sitting, boom, you've just downed a whole sleeve of Oreos. Right, that whole bag of Doritos, just like you just devoured it. And your spouse is like, who did I marry? Like, who are you? Who are you? Like, how did you do that in 30 seconds at that, right? And you feel like maybe in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't make that, that big of a difference. But the idea is, is like no one wants to be a slave to their desires. Even food, even food, right? Sugar, right? Just, just, just destroying America, if I can be honest with you, right? Oh, what about this one? It's, it's, it's an alcohol issue from your past. And so for years, you went without a drop of alcohol, and, and you're winning the battle. But there now recently, you've started sort of casually drinking. But for you, listen, a casual drink is not a casual drink because it usually leads to what? To, to, to another drink and to further enslavement. And you know that you're getting near the danger zone, right? Now, the Bible doesn't say that having a drink is a sin. It doesn't say that, but it does, it does warn us against drunkenness. And so for you, you're, 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 you can't have the casual drink because it leads you into that addictive trigger, you know, in your heart, in your mind. It's set off and you find yourself like one glass of wine, two glasses of wine, three, I'm feeling good. All of a sudden, this TV show is much better now, right? Because why? Because now you're, you're, you're escaping, you're coping with whatever. And some of these things that we deal with, we cope with. Um, we escape. Sometimes they're healthy ways that we do it, but so many times we're, they're unhealthy ways. And then we're left enslaved, right? And this is just the, the human like, predicament, human nature that so many of us are, are wrestling with, trying to live in the freedom that Christ has won for us. For some of us, it is a control issue, right? It's I have to control my environment, and life looks good when, you don't, when you're not experiencing anxiety, but then maybe it feels like you're losing the battle when you're giving in to temptation to control everything and everyone around you. And some people I've seen, even in the body of Christ, they give in to demonic influence when they, they want to control their future, and so what they do is they, they tap into an unholy source of information through tarot cards, through psychic hotlines, through um, uh, those types of people, fortune tellers, right? And they've opened up a door or even a portal or a window, whatever you want to call it, right? To what? To demonic influence in their lives. And so the idea is, is all of us have something. I could go on and on. Worry, fear, anxiety, lust, addiction to a substance, addiction to an activity. For my shoppers out there, you cannot stop swiping, right? Even though you can't afford it, even though you're in debt, even though your husband is like, please stop buying things on Amazon every single week, right? You know you want to do the right thing, but you keep sort of falling into these things. But God has a desire for us to live free. So this message series for me, for all of us, is kind of a combination, a conglomeration of many things that I've been Reading, studying in the Word of God lately, really it's a combination of spiritual warfare. It's a combination of deliverance. And don't be afraid by that word. It just simply means to be saved, to be rescued by God. We saying that line, right? Praise be to God. Praise be to God. He saved me from myself. 
Deliverance means to be rescued by who? By Jesus himself, okay? It's a combination of spiritual warfare, of deliverance, and spiritual disciplines, which my experience in the church has, has sometimes the extra charismatic people, they, they lean into the deliverance, but they, but they forget all about the spiritual disciplines. And we need, we, need, we need both of them to be sort of normal or else we get caught up in weird just weird stuff, right? We get caught up in the weird ministries and we're like, that's a deliverance ministry that I go to every week. Every, every week you go to, like, what about the local church, right? And so we need to be, I'm, and, and, and I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm just, I'm just like, as a pastor, this is what I see and I want, I want to bring correction to it because I don't want anyone to have like, you know, huge upper body and you got skinny legs, right? Because you've been pumped and you got the little the toothpick legs because you're out of balance, Right? You're focusing on one thing way too much, and you're falling over. And, and listen, as a shepherd, as your shepherd, for, for most of you, I think anyways, I, I want to bring balance and correction to some of these areas in our life. Now, Pastor Marco, that is so encouraging, but do not think that I would change because of one sermon. Now, I'm not that naive. I understand this. I understand that because I preach a few good sermons, it, it's not going to like, it may not mean a whole lot to you. Here's my point. Here's my prayer for you, though. My prayer for all of us is that simply that we would begin to take steps necessary to what? To exposing darkness, to exposing the weaknesses in our heart, so that we bring them under submission, again, under the the lordship of Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, do you guys remember that really bad snowstorm? It was a Friday night. I was driving home from the coffee shop. Um, It was about 6 o'clock, and I'm, I'm on Center Avenue, heading east, and all of a sudden, like, whoa, it just went pitch black. Lights went out, all the house, like, oh, no. Like, no, I'm just this close from home, and we lost power. So then I, I, you know, I ended up passing. I went passing, like, where I needed to turn because I couldn't see, okay? I made myself, I made my way home eventually, obviously, got into the house. My wife had got out the flashlights. And when, you, when, you, when you're in a moment like that, what do you do? You, you flash the light, right, towards the areas in your house. All of a sudden, you can see. You can see there's the table. I don't want to stub my toe on the leg. There's the sofa, right? And, and this is the idea of our message series, is that we just simply begin to expose the darkness, bring things into the light that need to be exposed, and that we would begin to what? Take proper steps to walk in the freedom and the, 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 the purposes that God has won for us in, his, in and through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? That we would begin to take those steps. On that note, I want to just take a moment. We're going to dive into Romans chapter 7. Um, I want to take a moment to pray, and then we'll dive in. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you so much, again, just for the work that you are doing in and through your people here at Radiant Church. I'm grateful for so many people here at our church who serve with such a, just such a heart of, um, of kindness and compassion, Lord, reaching more people for the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. So we just celebrate today the work you're doing. Come, Holy Spirit, open blind eyes. Unlock deaf ears, um, soften our hardened hearts. Uh, draw children and men and women to your son, Jesus. And Father, we pray that by the power of the Spirit, you would save many today and have many renew their lives uh, with you as we worship, as I preach, God. Uh, Holy Spirit, just do a work in your church. And for those watching online, we pray for them as well, that they would uh, experience the presence of Jesus in their living rooms. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
All right, this morning I want to begin in Romans 7, and I want to switch it up. I want to read from the New Living Translation, and the reason I'm reading from the NLT is because I love this translation for how clear it makes the passage, how clear it communicates Paul's heart to all of us uh, reading today. So we're going to begin in verse number 15. And again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The verses will be behind me. You can follow along in your own translation. Here's what Paul says. He writes this. He says, I don't really understand myself, which is, praise God, I love that he says that. We'll get into that in a moment. I don't really understand myself for what I want to do or for, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Verse 18, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, which is a bit of a tongue twister here, <laughs> I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Okay, pause there, church. I want to spend a few moments talking about these words from Paul in Romans chapter 7. Can, can we just say amen for verse number 15? He says, I don't really understand myself. Raise your hand if you've ever felt that way. I don't really get myself. I don't really understand. I'm a little bit of hot. I'm a little bit of mess. I'm a whole lot of hot mess. I want to do what is right, but I, I, I find myself doing the wrong thing, right? I, I'm trying to not yell at my husband, but then I'm yelling at my husband, right? I'm yelling at my wife. I'm trying to be more patient with my kids, but then I'm actually strangling them in a nice way, you know. I'm trying to, to, to do the right thing. I can't even begin to understand my own emotions, right? I'm trying to, I, I don't know why I feel these things in my heart. I, I'm, I don't think I should feel that way, but I'm feeling that way. How can I even understand myself? And I, I love that Paul says this because I feel like Paul just gets me. You know what I mean? Like, can we just say that? Like, Paul gets me. Paul gets you. Like, I'm just wrestling with some things right now. And Lord, I love you. God, and I believe that Radiant Church is full of so many genuine people who genuinely love God. Like, they truly do. And I've got a chance to sit with so many of you over food, over coffee, in, in, in your living room, in my living room, just to talk about your lives and, and, and your struggles. And I've seen so many people just genuinely love God but wrestle with with so many different things, right? And I love that Paul communicates this because he, he's communicating this what? This, this inner turmoil, this wrestling match that he has within himself that while he knows the right thing to do, so often he finds himself doing the very opposite. And I feel that way in my life too, that I know the right thing to do in my head, right? But I find myself doing the opposite of what I should be doing. Let me just, and I need you to kind of bear witness with me. Don't leave me on stage by myself. It's incredibly lonely. Um, how many of you know that just because you know something doesn't mean you'll do something? Mm, come on, can I get a mm-hmm? Thank you. You're, you're responding. Second service, you're growing in this. I love this. And I am training you, but it's, 
It's, it's a process. I, I get that. Just because you know something doesn't mean you'll do something. If all we needed more information, if all we needed was more information, I'd just go out and get another book, right? I'd just go out and get the, the book on six-pack abs, and then next week I'd have six-pack abs. If all I needed was more information, I'd just go get more information on becoming a better parent, and then i just, boom, I'm, a, I'm an amazing father, amazing husband. He's leading at home, leading Bible studies. He's got a cape over his shoulder. He's so kind, right? But I don't need more information. I need, listen, I need an impartation from the Holy Spirit. Come on, someone. You get second service fire this morning. So we need more than information. We need an impartation. We need the Spirit's work to what? To transform our hearts. I can't make any husband love his wife, but the Holy Spirit can. I can't make any wife draw closer to her husband, but the Holy Spirit can change a wife's heart and soften it. What's been hardened because of maybe um, words exchanged that were cruel and, and hurtful over years, right? Unforgiveness or bitterness in their hearts, perhaps. I, I can't change a person, but I know that the Spirit of God can soften the human heart and cause us to what? To love one another the way that Jesus loves us. And, and Paul is communicating this idea. He says, I want to do what is right, but I keep on having CBD gummies. No, he doesn't say that, but I just, New Living Marco translation. Because <laughs> we're in Bay City. Come on, y'all. We got more weed joints than McDonald's in this city. Come on, someone said, right. I'm preaching this morning. Have you ever felt that way, right? I know, I know what to do. I know I'm supposed to, like, love her. I know I'm supposed to be patient with my kids. I know I'm supposed to lead Bible study at night and, and get into exegetical theology with my children. I, I'm supposed, I know I'm supposed to do these things, but I'm not doing them. And, I, and I'm wrestling with these things. I know I shouldn't look at that image, but here I am looking at that image. I, I know I shouldn't have that thought, and here I am having that thought once again, and you know what, this is really frustrating because I'm just trying to live free. God, I'm just, I'm trying to love this woman you gave me. God, I'm trying to be kind to her. I'm trying to do good to them. I'm trying not to go back to smoking cigarettes. I'm trying not to pick up the bottle. I'm trying not to chew tobacco and I'm going back to it. What, I mean, you name your thing. I'm trying not to shop every weekend for a new outfit when I have clothes that I haven't even worn yet in my closet. The bigger picture though in Romans chapter seven is this. It's this idea that Paul wants to communicate that the law, the moral law of God, which is the law in the Greek is actually translated Torah, it's the first five books of the Bible. Torah can be literally the first five books of the Bible. Torah can also mean the over, I think it's about 616 Jewish commandments found in the Old Testament. The, the greater picture in the context of this passage is Paul's trying to illuminate something for all of us today and for those Romans who first read it. Paul wants to illuminate that the law of God, listen, has the power to reveal our shortcomings, right? It has the power to show how we fall short of the holiness of God, but the law itself does not have power to transform us. This is where we need the work of the gospel. This is where we need the work of the Holy Spirit to change us, to transform us, to make us new, as, we, as Pastor Jacob sang it, to sanctify me, to make me more like Jesus. Paul says, 
The law is great at illuminating. That's why Paul says in Galatians that the, that the law is our tutor. It's a schoolmaster. It shows us how we fall short. Thou shalt not steal, right? Oh, I stole. That, oh, okay, I've broken God's law. It, it, it reveals to us how we fall short, but it doesn't have the power to change us. The Spirit of God on the inside of us only has that power, His presence. So church, as we um, embark on this journey together for the next six weeks, Here's how I want to begin things today. I want to begin things with a question that I want you to consider. I want you to prayerfully consider. And here's that question. It's this. Go ahead and put it on the screen. What is going to be my approach to God when it comes to freedom? What is going to be my approach to God when it comes to freedom? Now, listen, church. There are essentially two approaches to God that we can take. And I'm going to tell you what those are in a few moments. Don't worry. But Christianity, listen, is not about belonging to an organization. It's not about belonging to a religion. It's about what? It's about relationship with God. It's about knowing him, being loved by him. And what that means is this. It means that your motivation, it means that what's going on in your heart, listen, is just critical to the process of coming to God. It's critical to the process of living free. The approach really will make all the difference. And there are two approaches. I want to begin to tell you about one approach through a story. Let me explain. A few years ago, I was getting a haircut. And the woman who was cutting my hair asked me, what do you do? Now, every time somebody asks me that question, I have the temptation to lie. And some of you are like, no, no. No, pastor, no. Just let me explain. I never want to open up a conversation with, hey, I'm a pastor. Because when that happens, all of a sudden, I go to church. I believe in God myself. Yes, I, I never swear. I only watch G-rated movies, pastor. It's like, I, I don't want to hear your religious garbage. I, I just want to hear you. Does that make sense? So, so I'm always a little bit hesitant. Now, I told her the truth, okay? I'm a pastor. She was like, oh, that's, okay, that's interesting. Now, she began to tell me about a story. And the story was about her religious, I'm going to put these in, in, in scare quotes, whatever, religious upbringing that caused lots of damage in her life. And I'm like, here we go. And this is why I don't tell everyone I'm a pastor, because here we go. I just wanted to slip in, slip out. Nope. So she began to tell me about her religious upbringing that caused great damage in her life. Apparently, she grew up in a very religious home. But the problem was is that there were great, great inconsistencies. And fathers, let me speak to you for just a moment because this is very sobering. There were great inconsistencies between the way her dad acted at home and the way he treated people at church. Come on, somebody said, mmm. So listen, at church, he was an outstanding citizen. At home, he would beat mom. And so he would like, hey, shh, you don't say a word. When we're at church, you shut your mouth. And she was like, how is this, how is God in my life? My dad's a creep. He's beating mom. And then we're at church all buttoned up and pretty Expected to look good on the outside. I don't, this is dumb. Why would I want that? So 
we're, we're talking, and, and she says to me, she said to me, the idea of God sounds nice, but I can't deal with another taskmaster. I could never possibly live up to his standards. He sure demands a lot. I don't want to live with those types of burdens. Do you see the approach there to God? There's an, there's an approach there. If you, if you didn't catch it, there's an approach to God. Her approach to God was entirely rule-based and not relationship-based. So I continued to talk to her, and here's what I said. I said, you're right. That kind of God sounds terrible. One who just barks orders around and then strikes you down with lightning the moment you mess up. I wouldn't want to serve that God either. And she paused. And she literally, like, she literally, like, we're looking at the mirror, and she's like, sits back. So I begin to just tell her, like, you don't know the gospel. I didn't say that part, but in my head, I'm thinking, you're right. I said, can I just tell you that I fail every day? Can I just tell you that I lead people that fail every day? Can I just tell you that we've all fallen short of his standard? You're right. You're right. None of us can meet God's holy standard. You're right about that. But there's one who did, and his name is Jesus. And God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And when we trust in what Jesus has done for us, here's what God does. I said, God changes your heart. You want to serve him. You get to serve him. It's a delight to love, to follow Jesus. This was a message she had never heard before. Why? Because she had grown up with a message that was all about rules. There was no relationship. All about obligation. And as I pastor now almost seven years as a lead pastor in Bay City, I can't believe seven years have gone by. Wow. Can I just tell you, I'm encountered with this very, very often. Very often. The two approaches to God show up in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to go there in just a moment. In Genesis chapter 2, this is the beginning of the story. And Genesis is the beginning of really the narrative of Scripture, the overarching narrative. There are 66 books in the Bible, Genesis, of course, being the first book. And in the beginning, listen, God sets the tone and he presents two approaches to him. He, he gives Eve and Adam two approaches to him. And unfortunately, they, choose, they end up choosing the wrong approach to God. Because why? Because Satan intervenes. This is why. I want to show you what those approaches are. Genesis 2, beginning in verse number 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man uh, he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And then notice what we have underlined behind me. He says, in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Here it is. Two approaches to God. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. These are the two approaches that we take to God. These are the two approaches that exist today in Radiant Church. I wish there was just one, but there are two because I've, I've had conversations. I've, I've had interactions. I've had counseling appointments or whatnot with different people. There are two approaches. Let me explain. The tree of life, what does this mean? It represents life-given relationship with God. 
The second approach, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is the idea that you can approach God simply based on knowledge. Let me show you an illustration, okay? Two different trees. The tree of life is characterized by what? By life-giving relationship, loving and knowing God intimately. This is the tree that we want to approach God from, by the way, if you haven't figured that out. On the other side, there's a different tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is where Satan tempts Eve, perverts God's word, which, by the way, Satan always will twist and pervert God's word. Oh, you think God meant this? No, he didn't actually mean that. Oh, God, oh, you think God said that? No, uh, he, 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 it's not the way it's supposed to go, which, by the way, is what Satan still does today. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's, it's characterized by religious obligation, learned behavior, and dead religion. Religious obligation, learned behavior, and what? And dead religion. And here's the thing, church. You and I have to choose how we will approach God. Will we approach him through the tree of life, or will we approach him through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Of course, Satan enters the picture when he tempts Eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis chapter 3. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I think we all know this, right? God could force our behavior. Am I right or not? He could force our behavior. Parents, let me speak to parents for a moment. If you don't have kids, you're off the hook for just a few seconds. Parents, how many of you know that you can force your behavior from your kids? Come on, a little duct tape and a chair is all it takes. Come here, little Jimmy. I'm here. You're gonna eat those vegetables to daddy. You stay right there, boy, and you eat those vegetables. Now, you can force behavior. I would not advise to do that. That's one approach, isn't it, though? Is it not? That's one approach. What's the second approach? The second approach is to, I, I, I think it actually is more work to, for parents. The second approach is life-giving relationship with your kids. Come on, come on, somebody. It's so much more work, isn't it? Because you got to sit down with them. you got to talk. you got to pray. you got to admit when you fall short. you got to apologize sometimes. you got to cry in front of them. It's like, it's, come on, come, parents, can, can we testify to that, right? Amen? Right? No matter how old your kids are, your kids may be, you know, 25, 30 years old, and, and you want to have life-giving relationship with them, even if they do rebel, they know that there's a, there's a relationship that they can come back to even when they disappoint you and, and break your heart. I'm not claiming that that would be easy by, by no means. I sympathize with you if you have wayward children, okay? In I, I, no way would I, would I judge you for that because I know how difficult it is to parent. And I know how often the Lord convicts me in my parenting. There are two approaches, though. We could force behavior. God doesn't do that. Or we can enter into a life-giving relationship with him. Have our hearts changed. So here's what I want to do, church. I want to spend the rest of our time together, and I want to show you three characteristics of these two trees. Three characteristics of these two trees. And then I want you to ask the question, what tree am I, am I approaching God from? Here we go. Number one, first characteristic. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, do more to get God. Do more to get God. I, I have to do more devotions. I have to pray more. I have to um, read my Bible more. I have to memorize more scripture. Nothing wrong with those things, by the way. Those are great things. 
We should be practicing spiritual disciplines within our lives because that makes up the faith. However, if you're doing more to get more God, then you're trying to perform for God, and there's a very big difference, right? It's this idea that if I do more for God, God will do something for me, amen? If I just, if I just, if I show up every morning for devotions, he's going he's gonna to do something for me. The tree of life, on the other hand, says this, receive the fact that Jesus has already done it. Just receive the fact that Jesus has already done it. You can't do more to get to God. You, you can't do any more. You already have him in Jesus Christ. You have him in Jesus Christ. Now, of course, you can, you can grow in your intimacy. Uh, absolutely. I want, I want to encourage you to grow in your intimacy with, with God. Of course so. Of course. I would always encourage you. But I hope you understand my heart when I say this. Just a couple of weeks ago, you guys remember this? I talked about how we treat our quiet time with God is telling because the tree of life, listen, the tree of life says that we can come into our quiet time, we can sit, we can read, we can listen to God, and we can enjoy him. Amen? It's like, man, it's just good to be with the Father. God, I don't have anything to say. I, I don't know what to say. So speak. Your servant is listening. And he's pleased. He's pleased. In Christ, he's pleased. That's the tree of life. I get to enjoy my Father. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, I'm checking a box. I'm performing. I did my task. Right? And we're just going through a checklist. And we have to be so careful as believers today. For, 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 for many of us, can I just say, I think sometimes our religious backgrounds hinder us to, from finding freedom in Christ. Sometimes that's the case. Not all the time. Did you know this? Some people measure their spirituality solely based on their knowledge. Did you know this? What, what do I mean by that? I mean this. Hey, I know more verses than you do. Well, I've read Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. Have you? Well, I've memorized more verses. I know more. I, I've had people, can I just tell you this? I've had, I've had people email me for the sole purpose of fighting with me. Like, I'm all down for having a good theology like discussion over like a latte or something, right? Where we learn we iron sharpens iron. Yeah, it's awesome. And what's your view on sanctification? Let's get down. And what did Paul mean in Romans chapter six? We alive in Christ. Oh yeah, let's get into the yeah. Let's, let's grow. Let's learn. But certain individuals have. What do you believe about this? And I'll say, oh, this is what I. This is clearly what Scripture says. Wrong. And then it's like email after email that I've had to block people. I'm like, bro, I I'm not going to fight with you. I have other things to do, really. I do. <laughs> so if you're just like, you're, you're, you just want to pick a fight, right? These are the same people that say, I'm full of the love of God. <laughs> right. No, you're not, actually. You're hell on wheels. <laughs> and you're swinging from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're caught up in bondage. Listen, listen to what Jesus says. This is fascinating. John 5, 39 and 40, familiar for some of you. Jesus speaking, he says, you, Pharisees, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, about Jesus. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. What is he? He's talking about people who are just like, you're reading the Bible and you're trying to grow close to God and, it's, and you're not coming to Jesus though. And Jesus is like, hello, I'm over here. You're not coming to me. You're caught up in a religious system and you're, you're approaching God based on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jesus says, you, you, you refuse to come to me to have life. 
You just want more knowledge. This is the danger. The second characteristic, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, keep trying to get God's approval. I got to keep trying. I got to keep trying. I just, Pastor, I just feel like God don't love me anymore, you know? It's just like, I just got to keep trying, man. I can keep, oh, man. No, listen, the tree of life says this, receive the fact that he already loves you. Receive the fact that he already loves you. This idea of trying to earn God's approval stems from the idea that God doesn't really like you very much. That you have to earn his favor. And too many Christians, listen, believe that God is just mad at everyone. Does he have an anger? Of course he has an anger. But he's long-suffering. We, we, we did a whole series on this, right? Long of nostrils, remember that phrase in the Hebrew? Hey, when God's anger, like when it hits, it hits. Like he, it's judgment time. I will not argue with that. It, the scripture is full of that. But can I just tell you, the Old Testament is full of the grace of God. Full of God waiting patiently for people to turn. Time is up. Time is up, right? He brings judgment. You know, God loves you even on the day you're the biggest knucklehead in the world. Now, he doesn't always love what we do. Amen, church? But he still loves us. He doesn't approve of our sin, never, but he loves us. Parents, you get this. I'm going to talk to our parents again. Parents, we understand this. Confession time. My kids can sometimes make me so angry, so upset. Sometimes my kids can get so under my skin. Does anybody feel that? Anybody? I'm like, Lord, help me. Like, we will audibly pray that in our home. Kara's like, Jesus, you need, to have, you need to come, Holy Spirit. Like, speaking in tongues, we're like, you better take the wheel because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. We're singing Carrie Underwood songs, trying to. Listen, my kids can disappoint me. They can make poor choices, but I never stop loving them. How much more does our Heavenly Father love us? We disappoint him at times, sure. We sin at times, absolutely. We rebel at times, absolutely. He never stops loving us. And my kids might disappoint me. My kids may rebel. My kids may wander. And I will always love them forever. You can't change that. My heart will always be for my kids. I don't care, right? It's the same with God. He loves us that much. He loves us that much. In fact, church, the reason why sometimes we're so upset with our kids is because we love them so much, right? And then we can see the folly of their ways. We're like, no, that's not what you were supposed to do. No, why did you say that? No, why did you do that to him at school? No. And we're, we're, we're upset, not because we hate them. Of course not. We're upset because we love them so much, and we know their potential. We know who they are in Christ. We know that God loves them. We, we have their best interest at mind. How much more does our Heavenly Father feel about us? Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were what? We were running from God. He was pursuing us and loving us. 
God was patient with me in my rebellious years, and I was a knucklehead, and I was not doing what I should be doing in life, of course, and God continued to pursue me. Here's the third characteristic, church. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, obey God out of duty. Obey out of duty. Obey out of duty. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How many of you know that when we take this approach, the Bible just becomes a big rule book? And how many of you know that the Bible has a lot of rules? <laughs> do this, don't do that. Be kind, be patient, love one another, forgive. Ugh, that's, that's a lot, right? The tree of life says something different. The tree of life says, obey out of delight. I'm not obeying because I have to. I'm obeying because I want to. It's a joy for me to serve at church. It's a joy for me to serve you. Church, I want to be clear. I don't have to preach. I get to preach today. I get to preach today. Listen, here's my prayer. God, thank you for choosing me. I can't believe I get to do this for a living. This is awesome. It's not oh, begrudging. Oh, I gotta, oh. No, it's I get to do this. And this is the way it should be in our relationship with God, that we would obey him out of delight, not simply out of duty. 1 John 5, 3 in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Burdensome, right? They're not burdensome. 1 John 5, 12, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you have the Son of God, if, you're, if you are Jesus and Jesus is yours, you have life. You have life. I want to go back to Romans 7, and we're going to finish up here. We're going to go back to Romans 7 and verse 24, again from the New Living Translation, because I think it makes it so clear. Paul writes this in verse number 24. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Remember that wrestling match? Paul's communicating this idea. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Here's what Paul is doing. Paul is acknowledging that, listen, that without Jesus, it is impossible for us to really be pleasing to God. It is impossible for us to obey God with a heart of delight. It is impossible. We need the work of Jesus, his finished work on the cross and the Holy Spirit, right, being deposited uh, inside of us, transforming our hearts, being conformed in the image of Christ so that our hearts now all of a sudden we, we want to follow, serve, and worship Jesus, Right? I want to remind you this morning, you're not a slave, you're a son. Come on, someone needs to be reminded, you're not a slave, you're a daughter. You're not a slave, you're a son. You're a son in the house. You're his son, you're family. You were brought in, you were once a foreigner, but now you're on the inside. You were once a stranger, but Jesus made all the difference. But if you continue to approach God from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will always try to earn his approval. You'll always try to be good enough. You'll never think you are saved. You'll never think you're good enough for God. You'll continuously, listen, be plagued with religious obligation, and you'll miss out on freedom, on delight, on purpose, on joy. And I prophesy in Jesus' name that this house will be a house of joy, purpose, and freedom. 
This house will not, we will not be slaves in this house. We will not be simply religious people caught up in dead religion. We will be alive in Jesus, set free by the power of God. And so we're going to close up now. And I want to just ask you this question that I told you I would ask you. And it's this. How have I approached God when it comes to my freedom? How? I want you to examine your life. And Holy Spirit, would you be so kind to reveal this to your sons and daughters right now? Reveal this. How have I approached God? And, and this is not just... You're going to be done in a few seconds. This is going to be something I want you to meditate on maybe all of today, maybe all of this week. How have I approached God? Have I approached God simply as a religious obligation or has it been the delight of my heart, the joy of my life to serve him? Have you been trying to earn God's approval, God's favor? Or have you been working from a place of God's love, of his approval? Have you tried to earn his love or do you understand and operate from a place where you have received the love of God in Jesus Christ? Church, are you a slave or are you a son? And the answer makes all the difference because a slave is what? He's enslaved. He's held captive by his desires. He's held captive by the things that surround him. But a son is free. A daughter is free. A daughter has rights. A son has rights. A son comes, listen, with the authority of his father, knowing who he, who he, who he is and what he has and what's in his position. You've been, you've been brought into the family. You're not just a slave. You're not simply a servant. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're in his family. You are a child of the most high God. And can I just tell you this? especially in our city, especially in our region. And don't take offense to this, but I'm just going to say it. Listen, especially in our region, Satan loves to keep people held in dead religion. Thinking that they're on their way to heaven when they're far from God. Satan loves to blind people's eyes so that they think that they, everything is good because they check the box of church. They check the box of, I, I read my daily bread today. They check the box of, I said a little prayer today, right? But there's no hard transformation. Satan loves to trap people in dead works, but God is trying to lead us into life-giving relationship set free by the power of God, right? And so this morning, I want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. I want to prophesy over you. Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Lord, I prophesy right now that this is a house of sons and daughters, God. This is a house where freedom is proclaimed, God. This is a house that there will be joy in this house not religious drudgery. There will be joy. So, fathers, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you just unleash joy to your people right now that serving you would not be a burden, but it would be a delight, God. Father, come and rescue some of us who have been caught up in dead religion for decades. We have no idea even how to worship. We have no idea how to fall in love with you, God. Transform our hearts today that we might be known more now as sons and daughters and not just religious robots. We want life-giving relationship, God. And I proclaim today, I proclaim today that this house is a house of freedom. This house is where joy lives. This house is where purpose lives. This house is where meaning lives. This house is a house of prayer. This house will be one that loves you and worships you with all their heart, not out of religious duty or obligation, but from a place of freedom. So Father, come and reveal by your spirit, Lord, how have we approached you? And for some of us, it's, it's, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
set captives free this week, we pray, God. Set captives free today. Open our eyes. Father, I believe it's new revelation that is imparted to us that allows us to live in the reality of what you've already given to us on the cross. So, Father, give revelation to your kids this morning. Give revelation. Open eyes. You're a good father. You don't condemn us. For some of us, I just feel prompted by the Holy Spirit. Just a few more moments. If you're here and you're already feeling condemned, it's like, oh, man, I've been in the tree of the Naj. That's the voice of Satan. Listen, listen, listen. You're a son, and the Father is putting his arm around you right now. And he's just telling you how much he loves you. How much he loves you. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation for those of us who are in Jesus Christ. So if the enemy comes and, st and tries to lie to you, and tries to condemn you, pour guilt over you. Listen, you shut that voice down. Our Father is kind. He's good. And we just proclaim today, God, that we will be a people who approach you from the tree of life, God. Your word is true. Those who have the Son have life. We want life, God. We don't want dead religion. We don't want dead works. We don't want monotonous obligation. We want joy freedom passion worship in this house so father come transform our lives and our hearts today we pray in jesus name amen let's clap our hands